Support for NPR and the following message come from Ally. While you're working hard, is your money being lazy? Make your money work harder than ever with Ally's new smart savings tools. For all things money, you deserve an Ally. Visit ally.com. Ally Bank member FDIC. Margot Robbie played Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad in 2016. Now she's back in the very enjoyable Birds of Prey. It finds Harley crossing paths with characters played by Journey Smollett-Bell, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Rosie Perez, and the very bad villain Black Mask, played by Ewan McGregor. The film provides the backstory for the team that will become the Birds of Prey, and it develops the character of Harley beyond her relationship with the Joker. I'm Glenn Weldon. And I'm Linda Holmes. We're talking about Birds of Prey on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining us today is Mallory Yu, movie editor for All Things Considered. Hey, Mallory. Hey there. And joining us from NPR West in Culver City for the very first time is entertainment journalist and producer at iHeart, Joelle Monique. Hi, Joelle. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having me. I'm so delighted. We finally made this happen. Uh, I have wanted to make it happen for a long time. So we are here to talk about Birds of Prey, which has now been retitled, Uh perhaps, uh, officially Harley Quinn dot dot Birds of Prey. Glenn, you are um, my comic book touchstone, Uh as you know. Uh Give me a basic, what did you think? Okay, well, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I wasn't coming into it very uh, looking forward to it because I was just not picking up what Suicide Squad was laying down in any way. Uh, A little table setting on the character of Harley Quinn. She was created for the animated series, Batman the Animated Series, back in the 90s, uh, which is and remains, in my opinion, the best version of Batman uh, that we'll see ever off of the comics page. Uh, Just in terms of putting him on the screen, that's my go-to. When she was introduced, she was introduced to be aimed squarely at the show's 14-year-old boys' id target audience. Uh, She was a lovesick, abused girlfriend of the Joker. Joker was Punch. She was Judy. Lather, rinse, repeat, that was the dynamic. But she became a huge hit with audiences, not just 14-year-old boys. Women and queer audiences started to embrace her. I think part of that was the design. I think part of it was that they also allowed her friendship with the character of Poison Ivy to breathe in uh, interesting ways that allowed a certain nuance uh, to be imputed upon their relationship. Uh, Mostly, though, I think it was the vocal performance of Arlene Sorkin, who gave that character a very distinctive uh, Judy Holiday in Born Yesterday, Mr. J kind of uh, Brooklyn accent. But at the heart of the character was always this cycle of abuse kind of played for yucks, which always made the character kind of squeaky to me. I was surprised to see Suicide Squad when it came out just kind of really embrace that same dated troublesome dynamic with uh, <laughs> with with a white knuckle grip because the joker white knuckle grip uh but birds of prey does something that the comics did years ago which it separates harley from the joker and that turns out to be a revelation uh where suicide squad was this squalid grim shoddy mess birds of prey is a fun colorful giddy mess still a mess uh still all over the match it, it kind of feels like the plot is very on rails, but the tone is kind of slapdash, but it doesn't matter because they keep slapping those dashes so quickly. This film goes by in a heartbeat and they understand something that they don't need to slow it down, that they can characterize within fight scenes, that by introducing different styles of fighting, you learn about these characters through action as opposed to through turgid dialogue, which there isn't a lot of in this movie because it just doesn't slow down. So I'm in. I liked it a lot. Excellent. Joelle, what did you think about Birds of Prey? 
Oh my gosh, so much same. Uh, to see a lot of my favorite characters who haven't yet had screen time from Huntress to Cassandra Kane, who in the comic books becomes Batgirl and is my favorite Batgirl of all time. Yeah. It is thrilling uh, to build on what Glenn was saying. The idea of the fights, specifically the weapon choices, were so much fun. Instead of, you know, a shotgun, we get a beanbag gun that's filled with glitter. Oh my god. I love the text messages laid over the top. It's a film that is feminist and feminine without it feeling dirty or weak which I think can oftentimes be hard to pull off. It also doesn't feel political in like in a slap in your face kind of way. It's just subtle and fun. And I think if the worst thing you can leave a movie saying is like, it was fun, then it's a good movie. It's perfect in, in what it's trying to achieve. And I look forward to it branching out and doing more in the future. Yeah, I agree. And I think the fact that they retitled it, you know, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, they're clearly concerned about the opening weekend, which was a little bit soft, although the budget for the film was reportedly a lot lower than for a lot of these other ones. So it's a little bit apples to oranges. But I definitely hope that it will build a little bit and people will go see it and that they'll build this out a little more. Mallory, what did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I did not like Suicide Squad one bit, and I really didn't like the way it treated Harley. But I had seen Kathy Ann, who directed this movie, I had seen her first film, Dead Pigs. And when she was announced as director for Harley Quinn, I was really excited because in Dead Pigs, she balanced a really quirky cast really well. And I thought she would have a good hand in balancing Harley's, you know, chaotic energy with Huntress and Cassandra Kane. And I thought she did a really good job. I appreciated that this movie emancipates Harley from the Joker. You know, it's a movie that has a very specific point of view. It is very, it is a story that is told by Harley. And of course, it's going to be a little scattershot and a bit of a mess, but I really liked it. I thought the characters, the production design, the action sequences all built on on the rails to create, you know, a really wild, wacky train. Um, and I was along for the ride from pretty much the get-go to kind of build on what Joel and Glenn were saying. I loved the action. I loved that it was a lot of hand-to-hand -hand and really sort of physical grappling because you kind of felt a real sense of weight in each punch and each tumble. And I also really liked the fourth wall breaking. I'm not usually a fan of it, but I felt in this one, it really worked well for me. It added a lot of movement and pep. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I really liked about it, Joelle talked a little bit about it, feeling feminist and, and feminine without being kind of overtly political. And I agree with that. The thing that felt the most that felt the most feminist to me, the, the thing where I really thought I think you are way more likely to get this from a female director, Kathy Ann, and a female screenwriter, Christina Hudson, is the characterization of the villain played by Ewan McGregor. Mm -hmm. Because what you get with this villain is not a kind of a super genius, and you don't get a kind of... He's just a resentful, rich jerk that people are scared of. He, he really wants to humiliate people, that he wants to cause people pain, but also embarrassment. He wants kind of dominance for dominance sake in some cases. Mm -hmm. And I very much appreciated this to me really unusual. I think even if you look at kind of 
ones where they tried to make a villain who was different, like the Lex Luthor that was played by Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> you still are getting someone who in some way is really special. You know, they're a tech genius or whatever. This guy is not special. This guy is just some dude yeah. who just had a lot of money, got a lot of power, and he scares people. And that's why he has power. And that's it. And he's not that interesting aside from all of that. And he's ultimately kind of weak. And I appreciated that and felt like that was a different kind of villain. What do you think, Joel? I'm actually putting together an article on this right now. And what's really intriguing to me about Black Mask in this portrayal, if you look at Black Mask throughout the comics, he's kind of the atypical uh, cocaine drug lord aspect of cool. If you were to look at your Scarface, he's got the big guns. He's got the army of dudes behind him. He is powerful and scary and intimidating. And all those things equal cool. They've zapped all of the cool from him in this movie. There's no part of this where you're like, man, I, you know, it's awful, but maybe I'd want to be Black Mask in the way we sort of idolize characters like Scarface. And I think that that has allowed for a lot of the audience to be able to laugh at him, which I think if we look at, you know, a woman's worst fear is that she's going to be killed. A man's worst fear is that he's going to be laughed at. Getting to laugh hysterically at a toxic man in a way that isn't, again, directing you to but allows you to is so much fun and even the way they've done like the little bitty character design things black mask in the comic books his he's just a black skull he doesn't have a face it's not actually a mask um a lot of times and so this idea that he can only operate and feel powerful behind a mask otherwise he's starting to question you know not necessarily his masculinity, but his power. You know, he's weak. He's constantly turning to Zaz to be like, yo, is this cool? Should we progress? And I like the fact, too, that he has this sort of gay sidekick. It's very, um, it's not overt. So It is and it isn't. It's weird. I feel like there may be another draft of this movie where those guys were in a relationship. And I would like to see that. I like the idea of Zaz, you know, being intimidated by Harley, not because of strength, but because maybe she's going to steal his guy. There's so much at play on like masculinity and relationships, uh, especially with Black Mask. And even down to the costuming, there's a moment where he's got... In the comics, he wears all black and white. Here, they played that up by putting him in a black and white Hawaiian shirt. So it's flowery and kind of effeminate, but still cool, still very calculated and, and crafty in how he presents himself. There's a lot to enjoy and laugh at. And I, I really value that in a character who's often and frequently hurting women. Yeah. Glenn Zaz, who Joel's been talking about, is this sidekick played by Chris Messina. Not where I thought Chris Messina's career was going, <laughs> nope. by the way. Very <laughs> unexpected to me. Um, what did you what was your reaction to that character? I mean, I didn't know what he was doing and I was glad I didn't. I mean, there is. I think there are extra <laughs> scenes. I think there's going to be some deleted scenes we haven't seen that that. Uh, kind of creates a more nuanced relationship between them because both the actors have mentioned something to that effect that I think the studio basically walked back. Uh, the thing I liked about the McGregor character was how weird he is. I wanted them both to luxuriate in that weirdness a little bit more, yeah. but there was no time for that in yeah. this movie. There was just yeah. no time. Messina's I, weird. Messina's weird, but he's like, I could, I, you can't put your finger on it, but I, uh -huh. I guess that's part of the deal. Uh, speaking of weird, the winner of least screen time to biggest impact ratio is definitely uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as yes. Huntress. She doesn't spend a lot of time in this movie, but because she's so good at what she does, she invests every line with a spin. She mm -hmm. manages to luxuriate in weirdness in just, you know, maybe 10 minutes of screen time, I yeah. guess. But it, but uh, she was bringing a lot. And, and she is, I think, the, the, the star of this particular film for me. And also, to me... 
the opportunity to see Rosie Perez in a in a role like this. Oh yes, was so special. Yeah. And like, who doesn't love Rosie Perez? Nobody. Right. Nobody. <laughs> and I think it's lovely to me that this role kind of maintains her Rosie Perezness without limiting her in the way that some of the roles that have kind of played into her kind of accent and her they've kind of sometimes made her a kind of a almost a caricature I think in some parts I'm thinking particularly of which no one else ever will but the film It Could Happen to You where Mm -hmm. she played Nicolas Cage's (laughs) uh, wife and she was sort of nasty and this is such an interesting kind of lovely just opportunity for her to play a cop and a smart, funny, willing to be the butt of the joke sometimes, but also really strong and fun. And I loved seeing her in this. And and uh, if you haven't heard the interview with Rosie Perez on Bullseye uh, with Jesse Thorne, I would seek that out because it's a wonderful interview. And she just, I loved seeing her. I loved seeing her. I mean, Journey Smollett-Bell as Black, Black Canary, Canary yeah. was so good because she... She's understated and scared for a lot of the movie. But when she lets go, it's just so fun to watch her kind of throw off those chains and go balls to the wall wild, you know. And talk about an actress who's been around forever doing a whole lot of different things, not all of which have served her this well. Eve's Bayou is where she... (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. She's great in Eve's Bayou. She was just a little, Mm -hmm. little thing. Even before that on Full House. Even before Adorables. Yeah. (laughs) Friday Night Lights. (laughs) Absolutely. Friday Night Lights. She's, again, kicking around forever. And it was great. I thought she was great in this. And really, like, she gets to do a lot of the kicking. I want to go back to these just for a minute. I want to go back to these action sequences. I think the action, as we've all talked about, is so varied. And Joelle, I know that you had talked about the fact that the the stunt coordinator had made some comments about coordinating, about doing action sequences with women. Yeah. Um, he was talking about, uh, I saw him give uh, like a Q&A talk maybe two years ago. And he talked frequently about his frustration watching women fight in movies because they're often trained to fight like a guy would fight, which is if you're shorter, if you're slimmer, you can't throw a punch and expect to knock out a 250 pound guy. It just doesn't work like that. So what we've seen, you know, get into the, well, we'll pull them down with their legs or or kind of from that stance but here they were like just go for the eyes knock out some knees mm-hmm. when Harley takes a bat to that guy's knee and then it's through the window and I was just like three times she takes out his knees it was invigorating like yeah. I <laughs> yes. love a hair pulling fight that is working you know what I mean like we've seen a lot of yeah. like caddy kind of I don't want to say weak but just just more caddy like oh all they know how to do is pull hair where this is like listen we are down and dirty and we are getting it done this movie does so like a broken fun. leg Yeah, MVP of this film, by the way, is the Foley artist because it loves the sound of crunching bones. Acres and acres of celery lost their lives for this film, and I am here for it. It's very true. So many broken bones. Um, Yeah, I really liked how Harley, like Margot Robbie, just throws herself at these people. And when Atomic Blonde came out, I remember thinking, wow, Charlize is like you can feel all the strength that she is putting into this, you can feel her getting tired, which you hardly ever see in movies like this, where you you see, you know, women feel physically exhausted. Yeah. So I definitely want to hear what all of you think of Birds of Prey. Come and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. When we come back, it's going to be time to talk about what's making us happy this week. So come right back. 
The following message comes from our sponsor, Chipotle. April Wilson, a third-generation hog farmer for Chipotle pork supplier Nyman Ranch, is proud to continue her family's legacy year after year, even when facing financial hardships. It takes a lot to farm and to stay in farming, and we've gone through several tough situations where it's like, okay, we may not be farming next year, and that's okay, but every year it, it just something pulls us through, and so it's really great to be the third generation, and it's awesome to be able to work with my brothers and help them on their farms, and they help me on mine as well. It's tough. It's a hard business to enter, but don't give up because there's, there's a way. If there's a will, there's a way. To learn more about how Chipotle wants to help bridge the economic challenges farmers face, go to chipotle.com farmers. Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What's Making Us Happy This Week. Glenn Weldon, what's making you happy this week? I'm going to stay resolutely on theme and say that on the DC Universe streaming app, there is an animated series just started called Harley Quinn. Uh, It starts off at pretty much the same place that Birds of Prey does with Joker and Harley splitting. Uh, Check it out, but by all means, do not let the first episode make or break whether or not you're going to keep at it because, we say this a lot in 2020, I watched that first episode and I was kind of turned off. There are some good jokes, but particularly the first scene of the first episode is resolutely egregiously gory in a way that I was not expecting, and they're dropping F-bombs all over the place, and it was just like there was cognitive dissonance. If you grew up with these characters, you're like, what's going on here exactly? Uh just felt wrong to me. But I went back to it over the weekend, and now I kind of get what they were up to. That first scene and that first episode is kind of a mission statement. They're trying to get people who are going to, like, just, they want to make clear this is not for kids. It does kind of settle down after that, to focus on jokes, which are good, good joke destiny, and characterization. And in that effort, they are hugely helped by a fantastic uh, cast of voice actors. Alan Tudyk, Tony Hale, Ron Funches, Jim Rash, Christopher Maloney, James Adomian gets to do his Bane. He's very good at doing Bane. <laughs> Natalie Morales is Lois Lane and James Woke as Superman. That makes sense. Yeah. Kaylee Cuoco is Harley, and I don't know her very well because I didn't watch Big Bang, uh, but she's good. But the reason I came to love the series is the performance of Lake Bell as Poison Ivy. It is so dry, so understated, so smart, so funny. She is the show, as far as I'm concerned, and that is Harley Quinn on DC Universe. Oh, thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Mallory Yu, what is making you happy this week? What's making me happy is a graphic novel called Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganeshow. It was published last year, and I bought it last year, but I'm just getting around to it. It's about a boy named Ari who's just graduated high school, and he wants to move to a big city and play music with his friends, but his dad needs him to help with their struggling bakery. So he decides if he can find a replacement for himself, his dad will let him go. Enter Hector, who's new in town, and upends Ari's idea of what he wants. Panetta's story is really sweet, and the dialogue feels natural. Ganesho's art serves it well. There are these gorgeous spreads in the book of Ari and Hector baking different types of breads. And it's about as soothing and calming as watching an episode of Great British Bake Off and just as satisfying as biting into the perfect sourdough roll. It's really sweet and I would highly recommend it if you're a fan of bread or of Great British Bake Off, this is for you. Um, It's a graphic novel called Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganeshow. Ah, thank you very much, Mallory. You, Joelle Monique, what is making you happy this week? Yes, I am reading Shadow of the Back Girl by Sarah Kuhn and Nicole Goot. It is 
thrilling. If you enjoy seeing the Cassandra Kane in Birds of Prey, you'll enjoy this version. She's like street smart, tough. She makes her own costume similar to the confetti jacket that Harley wears. Uh, she's got like this sort of stitched together bat ears and cape. It is fun. It's more invested into Gotham and a little bit more about this newer version of Cassandra Kane. So I cannot recommend it enough. And that is called... Shadow of the Batgirl. Shadow of the Batgirl. Thank you very much, Joelle. What is making me happy this week is a new podcast out of the Maximum Fun Network. It is called Fanti. Yes, it is. I loved it instantly. This is uh, Travel Anderson and Jarrett Hill, and they talk about uh, the idea of Fanti is being a fan of something, but also anti that thing. Uh, it's sort of a problematic faves thing, which sounds like it could be. I'm not always super into conversations about can you separate the art from the artist in this very kind of high theory way, because I think you wind up running in circles because the answer is always yes and no. <laughs> um, they're going to be talking about specific examples. And in their first episode, they talk about Kevin Hart. And I think the conversation about him is so kind of humane, but also uh, straightforward. It's really it's also really funny. Yep. They both have wonderful there's this whole thing about like who has the best laughs in podcasts they both have amazing laughs that will like heal your soul so find fanti it's just f-a-n-t-i and uh again could not recommend it more and that brings us to the end of our show you can find all of us on twitter you can find me at linda holmes glenn at gh weldon mallory at mallory underscore you and joelle at joelle monique you can find our producer jessica reedy at jessica underscore reedy and our producer emeritus and music director mike katzif at mike katzif k-a-t-z-i-f mike's band hello come in provides the music you are bobbing your head to right now and thanks to all of you for being here thank you thank Thank you. And thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. If you have a minute and you're so inclined, subscribe to our newsletter. It's at npr.org slash newsletter. We will see you all right back here next week. Some of the greatest artists in music have played behind NPR Music's Tiny Desk. Could you be next? Enter the Tiny Desk contest by submitting a video of you playing an original song behind a desk. If you win, you'll get to play a Tiny Desk concert. Learn more at npr.org slash tiny desk contest.